As a game developer, you create exciting worlds, but are players truly connecting with your story? The right audio is essential to connecting with your players, and good or bad game audio may mean the difference between a player continuing or putting down the controller. Silent Media knows game audio. They've seen it all and done it all, and they would love to connect with you about your work in progress. You can book a free game audio strategy session at silentmedia.com booking. That's S-I-L-E-N media.com booking. Big thanks to Silent for sponsoring the show. Good evening, fans. Tim Kitzrow here, the voice of NBA Jam, and you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. I thought I was rested. Hey, how's it going, Todd? Hey, Joshua, how are you? Uh, staying really busy. Yeah, everything's going really good with the game. Uh, got some good updates to kind of talk about on that, and then whatever else you want to get into. So, I am rolling, so if you want to jump into it, we can certainly do that. Okay. Uh, like I said, I hope all has been well. Uh, great to be here again. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Sure. Uh, yeah, I kind of uh, had a pretty long week, got a lot done, so it's kind of nice to but back here on Friday and just uh, chat for a bit. Yeah, are you? Uh, it sounded like you were just getting ready to come out of Alpha when we talked last. Is that all done now? Uh, we're really close. So we're just a few days away from a really big release that has uh, a new course. We actually have a um, well. One of the things that kind of delayed us getting to beta as quickly as maybe we had originally scheduled is we decided to build out this new game mode. So have you ever heard of uh, Top Golf? Sure. So, yeah, that, you know, it's really popular. Uh, here where we're at, kind of spreading around all over the country, they're popping up. And we kind of wanted to try to do something like that with Disc Golf. So we actually decided to create a, a Top Disc game mode. So it's like an arena, and it's got the lit up baskets and everything. It's really similar to Top Golf, but in that kind of Disc Golf sport format. We actually just had a guy named Ryan Ingle on the show who uh, created the official Top Golf VR game. So we got to talk to him oh, not cool. too long ago. I'm actually a really big fan of Top Golf. We live right up the street, actually, from Chesterfield's location. And um, I, I think I even commented on this on your Twitter account. When I saw this, I thought that was the smartest idea. I can't wait to try that. Oh, awesome. Yeah, thanks. I, we just figured. You know, one, just add more variety to the game, but also to hopefully, as the game grows, you know, maybe help bring in more people that aren't necessarily familiar with disc golf as a sport, but they know top golf. It's uh, something you don't really have to know all the different throw types and you know, a lot of the, the different um, nuances of disc golf. You can just kind of pick it up, and it's kind of more of an arcade format. Um, it just gives you a disc, and you just click away and, and try to get it in there. And you don't have to be as accurate. So you just kind of got those targets on the ground, kind of around the basket. So if you even get in one of those, you're getting some points. So you don't have to really be that uh, excellent or accurate to, to have fun with it. I kind of wish there was a real version of that, don't you? Like, I don't know exactly how you'd make it work or how you would dispense the discs, return the discs. There's no good way to do it, but it would just be amazing if you could really go to a place like that and throw discs. Well, we, we can hope that the sport gets big enough that someone decides to. I'll, I'll definitely be one of the first to try it out. So, 
<laughs> uh, I, I'm sure it could be done somehow. Somebody's got the will. I guess there's a way. <laughs> Are you uh, still planning to do VR for? Uh, I should say the name of the the game, which is Ultimate Disc Golf. Is that still on the uh, on the roadmap? Yeah, actually got a really cool update. So we actually got our uh, Oculus Quest two uh, just about a week and a half ago. Got delivered. So we're kind of ramping up, um, getting set up for development, and we've done some initial tests, but. Yeah, that's that's a full blown now that we have something to officially do the development with. I was going to ask you if you had upgraded to a Quest Two yet. Uh, I have not yet, and I'm wondering how you like it. It's been great so far. The, the one thing I will say is I'm still using what is not technically an Oculus Link official cable, so mine registers the USB two. So I, I really don't have the data transfer. Uh, that we need, but we're going to be getting that soon. But overall, the experience has been really great. It's really comfortable. Uh, in terms of development on the Unreal Engine side, the plugin that they have already set up for Oculus, tracking is really accurate. It's responsive. I, I really like it so far. I wondered about that too, because as a Unity guy, uh, I, th- I think the Quest integration has been consistently great. Like I'm, I'm not a super technical VR developer, but I had no problem getting set up, getting uh, tracking working, figuring out what needs to be in the scene and how the camera controls need to work. It really sounds like no matter who you are or what your tool set is, it seems like Quest development is really pretty approachable. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I would say is we haven't, we haven't done too much to get set up as like an Oculus developer yet. So I don't know how that process will go, but from pure development, I've been really happy with the process. So hopefully... Getting set up on as a developer will be just as easy. Yeah, all I know about that is to start. I mean, I think you have to kind of at least fill out their initial form to to download the SDK or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then the only other thing I know about it is that early approval is very important. So don't <laughs> don't sleep on that. I guess. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. I, I did read uh, yes, uh, yesterday once you get set up as a developer that you can sideload, so you can essentially not have to use the link even if you're in development so i was i was glad to see that well that's encouraging i I guess i don't know how it works in terms of different headsets i mean do you want to primarily target quest as the vr supported headset or do you want to be on a variety of devices i would like to be on a variety of devices even as far as you know once we get the console supporting the psvr now I, i don't know what they're planning on doing the PlayStation 5 in terms of VR support. But right. one thing I can say is that developing on Unreal Engine is that, you know, you have the Oculus plugin, but they do also have other plugins. So they actually kind of, they, they kind of take it to a higher level. So you can actually do some general VR things without necessarily targeting specifically Oculus or PSVR or HTC Vive or anything like that. Um, the only thing that you have to kind of do specifically is, the different inputs you have to do input mapping for each that you want to support but a lot of the code can kind of be reused for each one that makes sense i've kind of wondered about the psvr thing too because it sounds like it's not it sounds like they've kind of moved it away from the top of their priority list i'm not a ps guy in the first place but you know look at the xbox side they've they've done nothing so I, i have to give them credit there but i would love to see them sort of bring that back strong on ps5 like why not you know Oh yeah, I would I would definitely agree. I think that there's a market for it, uh, especially looking at the success of the Quest Two. I know it took us forever to to get ours. Uh, we kind of got in a little late, 
just timing wise on the budget. But when we went to go get one around Christmas time, it was uh, about a month long wait to, to get any. Yeah. Uh, speaking of unreal, I assume you know more about this than I do, but have you seen the new like human generator thing that they're doing for use with unreal? Yeah, I was, I was definitely hoping to get a chance to talk about that a little bit. I was hoping we could too. So tell me your thoughts. Yeah, sure. So I actually downloaded it uh, the first day. So they don't have the actual creator app yet. Um, so for anybody who's not aware, Unreal Engine has been really taking in a lot of very unique, smaller companies that are, are kind of doing different pieces, and they're bringing it under that kind of epic umbrella. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of really trying to streamline that whole process. So what they're creating is a cloud-based app to quickly create very, very high-end, high-detailed characters for virtual production, games, whatever. And so it's called MetaHumans. And so they don't have the cloud app up yet, but what they did is they released a couple of the examples that they created for free on the Unreal Engine Marketplace. So I downloaded that the first day. I saw that, and I was like, oh, I have to check this out. So, yeah, I downloaded it, and I tell you what, it's very, very impressive just in terms of where they're going with this. And you know, it's got a lot of new things like the new groom system as far as realistic hair strands, mm-hmm. uh, the blend shapes that they're using for the faces. I mean, it is very, very extremely realistic. Now, I don't have a very high-end RTX card. I think I'm running on a GTX 1070. So even on my card, actually, the performance was pretty reasonable. I did have to turn off ray tracing, but once I did that, I was able to run it uh, pretty well. I mean, I can't say enough about the detail. Um I'm interested to get my hands on the actual app to see how easy this is to actually create these characters that they had in the example. But, you know, they're talking about taking that process that used to take months to weeks and really have to have um, a pretty good sized team as well down to hours that one person can do through an app. So that's kind of where they're taking things. That's incredible. I mean, it's fascinating that not only are they creating such realistic characters. I mean, if you haven't seen this, I, when I first saw that tweet with the video attached, I I thought if this was not like, if you couldn't see the character creation controls next to the people, it would, at a glance, you wouldn't really know if you were looking at a photo or a video of a person or what. I mean, it's very realistic, but then they're also tackling it as like a cloud tool. Tell me how that even works. I mean, you're doing a lot of the generation stuff in the cloud. Do you then download it for use in your project or what, what is it? Yeah. So I believe it would be downloadable as an Unreal Engine asset fully rigged, ready to go, and ready to just drop into your game. I believe, and don't quote me on this one, I'm not entirely sure, but I believe it's going to be compatible with their new control rig as well, as soon as you open it up. So uh, if you're not familiar with what control rig is, it basically is their next generation of being able to animate right inside the engine. So they're they're basically doing the heavy lifting for you, uh, the part that would really make your your computer cry. If I mean, I'm like you, I, I have a decent setup, but nothing uh, cutting edge at the moment, and a lot of game developers don't. That's uh, sort mm-hmm. of a, a long standing joke in the industry. Like all the players are on this super cutting edge military grade equipment, and the rest of us are like barely running on these old video cards and just doing the best we can. <laughs> But uh, so it it seems like they're looking for solutions to kind of work around that. They recognize that and they go, we can do a lot of the heavy lifting for you in the cloud and then set you up for success once you're uh, once the hard work is done. I kind of like that. Yeah, I do, too. And I think just like some of the other things that they brought under the Epic umbrella there is I'm 
pretty sure it'll be completely free as long as you're using it with Unreal Engine. And and that's where uh, I just have to be left in the jealous dust because I'm I'm not gonna I'll be stuck with I don't know Make Human it's probably the closest comparable thing Unity hasn't really tackled that as far as I know you can download different characters from the uh, the asset store stuff like that I don't think we have a go to somebody can correct me if I'm wrong I don't think we have a go to generator for that just yet and, and you know the ones that are out there that are kind of more general and will work with multiple platforms uh, they're pretty pricey. Uh, for the quality yeah. one. So I, I think there's a gap that they can fill there that uh, I think it's going to be a huge hit if it works out. Like you said, this is the kind of work that it's like drawing on paper or anything else. I mean, once you want to tackle humans, you should probably just start with simpler stuff, rooms and interiors and uh, tables and things. It's a lot easier mastering that than tackling the human body and making it real or making it fit with the style you're working in. Like that's always no matter what what sort sure. of technology you're using, that's really tough. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, you know, that's something I'm still working on daily to get better at. And in fact, this kind of ties in with something I, I wanted to mention also, because I, I don't think it came up last time, and I'm not sure why, but I realized sometime after we talked, the first time I ever heard of this game, Ultimate Disc Golf, was actually when it was profiled on the uh, Udisc blog, and that was like, that was almost a year ago now, right? That's correct. Yeah, it's been a little bit now, but uh, yeah, that's cool. You thought that that had to help, right? I mean, that had to be a big deal. Yeah, that was a huge bump, uh, and I really, you know, shout out to you, Disc, for actually reaching out to us for that little spot there. It was great to talk to them, and it was right at the time we were just kind of going public with the uh, early access and everything. So that really give, helped us get an initial bump. You know, we're not spending a ton of marketing even still because we're an alpha, so. Every little bit of exposure that's kind of in that industry, uh, yeah, that's a huge plus. And I mean, again, for the for the average user who might not be a, a giant disc golf person, UDisc, they do a couple of things. They run a cool website with, like, news about the game and the sport and everything. And then uh, they have a fantastic app for when you're actually out on the course, which uses uh, your, your location, maintains your scorecards. You can do little challenges on it. So that's kind of the go-to uh, way to be connected with the sport, which is, uh, I, I would be super proud if I was working on a disc golf game and uh, you just wanted to talk. So I, I'm sure you were as well. Yeah. You know, I, I can't say enough about so many people in the disc golf community and how they've kind of, uh, you know, really been open to supporting our game. You know, we're not really a proven studio. We're not connected to any big disc golf manufacturer. And so, you know, nobody really had too much of a reason to, uh, give us a chance, but you know, all over the community, uh, we've had people reach out to us, giving us words of support, seeing how they can help, how they can spread the word. So I can't thank everybody out there enough for for that. Um, that's really what's helped us get to where we're at now. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, App Figures. App Figures is all about helping game makers get more downloads and revenue. You know App Figures for analytics and app store optimization. Now App Figures can help you track competitors from downloads and earnings to their audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives great context. Say a competitor adds a new feature or was mentioned in the news? With App Figures, you can see if that brought in more downloads. Have a new app or game idea? App Figures will show you how big the market is and how much you could earn. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, App Figures can help you reduce risk and get more downloads without a huge budget or a data science degree. It's affordable and simple. 
AppFigures provides guides and tutorials to take you step-by-step -step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com slash on slash gamedevbreakdown to try AppFigures for free. If you like it, use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for three months. Again, that's GDB3030 to get 30% off for three months. Big thank you to AppFigures for sponsoring the show. Yeah, it, it's really awesome. And I think that the other game that was profiled in that blog entry, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I seem to recall it was the one where it was another Unreal game and they were actually using assets from like like a fantasy setting, which sort of introduced a funny element just because those assets were available. And like a lot of yeah. the voice clips were like very medieval sounding, which was kind of funny. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you know, shout out to uh, the developer of that game, uh, I believe it's called uh, Perfect Ground. You know, he's, he's pretty much an indie, you know, one man shop building that game. And so, you know, I definitely understand taking that approach, uh, yeah. using what's available to build something. Uh, he's the guy that, is a big fan of the sport just like we are. So, uh, you know, he's he's kind of taking a different direction than us. It's kind of more of that traditional throw. And then in like most golf games, you automatically teleport to the next throw. Yeah. Uh, so his gameplay loop, you know, if you look at his game, he was able to close that a lot quicker than ours. Sure. So we're, we're trying to do a lot of different things. But uh, I think there's room for, for lots of different takes on it, I guess. Oh, totally. And and I bring that up to actually give credit to him because I mentioned on the podcast a lot, like when you're in that prototyping phase or the early building phase, you do anything you can to get to the next step because the very most important thing you can do is, like you said, close that gameplay loop, get something that you can iterate on. And if you spend too much time on one thing, there's a fantastic chance you're going to give up on it. And that's just the nature of the thing. It's not anything anyone does wrong. It's just you have to move quick, anything for the asset, anything for the feature and keep going. So, I mean, kudos, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, luckily for us, uh, I've been able to kind of finish each chunk at a time and not get too kind of spread out and uh, keep my focus. And luckily, even though we kind of have something pretty ambitious, it's, it's moving forward piece by piece. Yeah. Every time I see a new, uh, a new clip or a new screenshot, you've got something new, great to look at. Um, it's, it's great to see games in progress like this with this level of like, at least visual polish. I haven't gotten to play yet, but if the, if the gameplay matches the, the look of the game, I, I think it's going to be really great. So what's something else that, um, obviously you don't need to, uh, give away anything too top secret or anything, but what's, what's some, uh, feedback you're working on from the early alpha stuff or, uh, you know, any sort of focus that, that might've changed since we last spoke. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So one thing that we're really trying to focus on kind of after this next release, which, like, again, is a pretty substantial one, uh, is local multiplayer. So, nice. you know, we're working towards online multiplayer. We want to have dedicated servers and everything like that. But in order to kind of take the next step and, and really let people play a game together, we're going to go ahead and do some offline local multiplayer split screen. Uh, which we think, you know, with the top disc will be a great way for somebody that's a disc golfer, they like the game, they will introduce somebody else. They can pick that up and do a little split screen on the top disc and, and have a lot of fun. I think that's brilliant because this is going to be a big game for gatherings between players, uh, you know, local uh, player groups, things like that. Every Every major area has their own 
set of groups for uh, for local players. So I, I think that's probably mm. really smart. So I can't wait to see, uh, especially in St. Louis, I'm sure uh, the gatherings will involve this game at some point for sure. Yeah, we hope so. It'll be really exciting to see how that all, all plays out. Have you, uh, speaking of uh, St. Louis disc golf, have you gotten to play at all this? Do you, Are you a winter player? Do you do that? This is my first year, and I can't imagine going out in the snow right now. Uh, maybe when uh, if you talked to me 10 or 15 years ago, I would have said right. yes, but not so much anymore. Yeah. I, uh, I talked to my son, who is now six, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, even getting him to go in the backyard and throw out there, like I would have been happy to do that it would have been good for pictures and everything else. He was not into it. He's like, it is cold. It's snowy. Let's stay in here and let's play some rocket league, which is something else you mentioned last time. You said your son likes that also. Yeah, he does. Uh, you know, he's, he's been doing a lot more development. Uh, you know, he, we got this quest too here, so he keeps wanting to try to pick that up <laughs> since we got that, but I uh, still does a little bit of rocket league. Yeah, but yeah, I, I can't believe uh, your kid for not wanting to go out this weather. Well, right. And we've we've reached the uh, critical temperature where, of, of course, I wouldn't really push that issue anyway. I'd say yeah. any, anything over like, I mean, at 40 or above, we're out there, we're having a blast. Uh, cur- I'm looking at my watch. It says 12 right now. So, <laughs> And it looks like the low the low today was seven. There, there's cold and then there's nope. <laughs> right. And I'm looking at the St. Louis Disc Golf Club uh, page on Facebook and they're talking about who's throwing today, where are we meeting up? And I'm thinking like, I, I'd be afraid I wouldn't make it back to the car. At all here is where Cave right? right? Uh, it's hardcore. <laughs> it's right. There, it's a level of dedication that I, maybe that's why I'm not better than I am. And, and uh, maybe that's okay. So, um, yeah, I can exactly put that to you. Yeah. Uh, what what does your uh, what's your son like on the quest? Because my my son is just starting to get aware of like the potential of this thing, and I, I don't know what to show him right now. So he's he's been playing um, a lot of uh, blade and sorcery, and I, I think was it the um, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners was another one that he oh, kind of oh, ranked yeah. pretty high. Yeah, and he, he's playing some of the some of the newer ones that are, you know use things that are. Uh, using the upper body inverse kinematics and things like that, um, which I think is really cool. I don't know if uh, he's kind of seen any games that are kind of starting to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a big topic in, like, development circles because it, there's sort of a debate between, like, whether it's better to just have, like, floating parts or whether, you know, you should be striving for that level of connectedness between the models and stuff. And, and there's, you know, questions about, you know, does that take you out of the experience when it breaks down? Or if it works well, is it worth the uh, the risk? But it, it is an interesting area, technically speaking. I'm kind of interested in that. Yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you what. So the, we were talking about the metahumans there. And that, so I, I downloaded the example. And we're trying to kind of start to test the Quest 2 and, and try to push the limits of, uh, what we'd like to see done in some of the stuff we're working on down the road. So what I did is I, I took a plugin that I found. Uh, it's an open source one. I shout out to the developer. I created an upper body IK system for Unreal Engine. Now, it was meant to only work with the default Unreal Engine skeleton. But I, I was like, let's, let's see if we can make this work. So we got the another human set up, got the plugin going, and I basically kind of went through this video mapped it, but mapped it to the metahuman skeleton just kind of crossed my fingers like, well, let's see what happens here. And tell you what, on the first try, I was able to get the quest uh, tracking going with the upper body IK with these new metahumans. 
Uh, I had to turn down the, the settings just a little bit to like medium, but I popped that on and did, like the detail on the hand and the subsurface scattering of the skin, wrinkles, it was, it was like looking at my own hand. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the the more of that kind of thing I try, the more blown away. It's like it's like seeing the technology for the first time all over again. It's we're starting to make such leaps and bounds. Um, and, and really, to me, it seems like the better we get at marrying what the, the game engines can already do with the sort of simplified apps that a lot of these uh, headsets run. I mean, once you're actually seeing it like you're in the, the experience I know I sound like like a seventy five year old man talking about this, but it's really incredible. Like I can't believe what they're doing with this stuff. Yeah, it's it's a really exciting time to be involved in the industry. So I mean, can you just imagine where we're going to be another five years. So uh, yeah, enjoy I the know. ride. It's... That's what I'm trying to do. And everybody says like, well, the the real you know crazy thing that that no one's going to be able to believe is when we're doing a lot of the same stuff with uh, with augmented reality. And I could imagine that. You know, once we really slim down the the hardware and get the technology there where it needs to be, uh, I can imagine that's going to be pretty incredible. You know, it, it's already fascinating, like the Minecraft demos and and things like that. But when we're really marrying what we're sort of starting to do with VR with the actual AR and putting that stuff in the real world, like, yeah, there's no stopping anybody at that point. Yeah, that's going to be really exciting, too. I know we haven't done uh, too much. We're we're set up to do some, but haven't haven't delved too deeply into the augmented reality world yet. I that's that's one area where I've sort of thought about like, wouldn't it seem fun to have like your own sort of uh disc golf AR type thing? You can, you know, put your own basket anywhere. It would depend on really good tracking, but then just give yourself like little flick controls and, and pull back a disc and try to fling stuff at it. Well, you know, while you're just sitting around uh, you know, outside we, of the park we or have something. actually tossed around that idea here at the office a few times uh you know maybe somebody will make it i'd, I'd try it out right i i would too i i think maybe it's probably a natural idea and uh if if i don't get around to it i hope somebody does that's right <laughs> we'll, we'll for sure have some disc golfers listen to this go ahead and run with that guys run, run free <laughs> I, I have to heap some praise on your wife because every time I, I put out just a, sort of an open-ended booking comment or tweet or something like twice now, she's jumped right on it. Like, yes, we'll take it. Let, you know, let's work out schedules and stuff. Like we're coming up on Valentine's day. How do you like working closely with your wife on something like that? Cause she seems like a go-getter. Oh, she is. I, I mean, shout out to, to Jill. Uh, definitely my better half, you know, she really, work so hard that I'm able to have that kind of creative freedom. You know, when you're trying to create, you have to have that space to think. And, you know, she makes sure that I'm able to do that. And she takes care of so much business stuff. Um, I'll tell you what, she went through the process of getting her own uh, service disabled veteran owned small business. So anybody out there that's a, a veteran in business, uh, if they've ever tried to do this, most people pay good money to have somebody else go through the certification for them because it is tedious, right. lengthy. There's a ton of paperwork, and and she did it all on her own and, and got that certification. So um, that just speaks to yeah, like you said, how much of a go getter she is. That's uh, that's something that stood out to me when I first looked at your website when I was getting ready for our last chat. I actually remember that now because it stood out to me because I come from uh, DOD contracting also, so I worked. I worked with uh, a couple of groups on the base because we have an Air Force base in this area for people not familiar. But um, basically, the, the, the guy and his wife, they were both uh, former veterans, 
uh, had moved on to contracting. That's very common in, in this area. And she had gone through a similar process so that she could own, own a business and, uh, you know, cater to veterans moving into contracting. And I was mm-hmm. continuously blown away by even the small bits and pieces I heard about the processes that y'all go through. It was just <laughs> intense. And, and like, I, I had even been to their home office one time and, um, you know, that it was decorated with like motivational sayings and things. And I thought like, psychologically, this is taking such a terrible toll on these people because <laughs> I, I could tell how <laughs> difficult the, the business side of this is. I just, I have tons of respect for that. I appreciate that. You know, and, and as far as working together with, uh, you know, my partner during Valentine's day, I, I couldn't be more blessed. Um, you know, we're going to take a few, you know, kind of doing this tonight and the rest of the weekend, we're kind of taking off. Actually, both of our uh, kids are off at their uh, grandparents for the weekend. So, yeah, after this, man, I'm, I'm off and we're going to, we're doing this together for a little while. So, we know, you know, we know when we get to that point, we're like, okay, we need to unplug, sure. we're going to decompress and, and just turn everything off. And, you know, we've, we've been able to do that really well over the years. Yeah. Uh, and it's been I mean, even here, my, my wife and I do very different work. She's a physician actually. And, and, uh, but we've gotten to spend, you know, the last, what better part of a year now, uh, both working from home. Uh, she has her home Mm -hmm. office where she does, uh, uh, virtual care. So she does telemedicine stuff and puts in orders remotely for uh, patients and things in an effort to reduce, you know, physician and nurse exposure to COVID and stuff like that. So, uh, really awesome work that her and her team get to do, but seeing it up close, like it's, it's incredible. And it's, it really, like you said, it's a great blessing to uh, sort of work closely together as a family. It's just really, really fantastic. So shout out to the, uh, the partners in our lives. And <laughs> I appreciate your wife's work as a, as a uh, online worker there against this uh, COVID stuff. So my, my mom is uh, also a nurse and has been out there, now, they didn't put her back at home. She was actually out there for most of it. But shout out to all the, the healthcare workers during this. For sure. Abs- absolutely. Uh, this is such a heavily medical community. I mean, we have so because we have just giant hospital systems in this area. And uh, every once in a while, you'll see like a, a report on the percentage of the population in a given city, uh, how many work in healthcare, And it's it's big. It's big numbers. And so we've had more cases than our fair share of COVID in the last year we've had. Uh, and it, it hits, it hits the medical staff much harder because they're, um, there are articles you can read about that, about how their uh, immune systems are overactive because of what they're already exposed to before COVID. And so mm-hmm. when they're fighting COVID, they have those really intense reactions. And unfortunately it's a, a much higher hospitalization rate and the outcomes are worse. So uh, yeah, this, this is an area where we take that really seriously and we really appreciate the people who do that work. So very, very true. But um, anyway, uh, moving on, I mean, has the, the, the end of the alpha process, I mean, does the end of the roadmap look any different? I mean, do you think the release date has changed? How are things looking? Yeah, uh, you know, we had some goals in mind uh, kind of middle of last year for when we wanted to be on console and maybe hitting the end of beta. And with the addition of the top disc and some things like that, and and COVID as well, uh, we've moved that back. And I'll tell you, as an indie game developer, this is one of those things that Joel and I do have that conversation where, you know, not butting heads, but maybe come looking at it from different angles. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just just doing research, you know, you look at the cyberpunk release uh, and, and the whole fiasco there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've been talking to her rather than setting very, very hard deadlines as an indie studio, we really want to try to publish our goals. And that's what, so we've been trying to get towards is keeping everybody updated, make sure they know we're moving forward. Right. Uh, and then, you know, let them know what the next goals are. Not, not necessarily, you know, because we are a pretty small shout and that's necessarily, we're going to be on consoles for sure by this date. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, over promise and under deliver uh, that kind of mentality. So we've kind of gotten away from like supposed posting far off dates and really gotten more towards, you know, okay, here's this release should be out within a couple of weeks and just kind of work from there. Yeah. And I, I know you meant to say under promise and over deliver. So <laughs> yeah, I, thanks, just, thanks. <laughs> I wanted to say like, if neither of us corrected that, I, I feel like you'd be upset with me when you listen back. <laughs> <laughs> I but, appreciate uh, that. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's a good thing to, um, I think that's a great approach actually is, is to be more forthcoming about the goals and where you're at in comparison than to say, um, ultimate disc golf coming on March, you know, whatever. I think, I think it's way better to have that ongoing dialogue because, you know, you're, we're not as, as indies, we're not in the same position with, you know, a publisher breathing down our neck necessarily. Some are, I guess, but um, maintaining that space for yourself is is not only good now, but if you get to a point where you guys want to tackle something a little bigger and bring in a small team or, you know, a- additional people to work with you on it, I feel like that's going to be a big deal for them, too. I think that's the right approach. I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's working well so far, and our community has been really responsive to that. Um, you know, I'm not giving this too much grief, so... Uh, Joe's really the one, you know, she likes, she's kind of a bean counter, right? She wants to make sure things, you know, we, we have goals and we, we have deadlines and we're meeting that, right? That's, that's how she more defines, you know, that progress. So she's, she's coming around though, uh, you know, and, and so far, you know, that's, that's how we're going to keep doing it and uh, going forward. Yeah. And I'm, of course it's a balancing act too. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. a, a value to being ag- aggressive and, uh, you know, knowing exactly what's coming and what you can communicate. So I get it for sure. So make sure we don't get too nonchalant about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're going to do release next one. I don't know. That that sounds like a good balance of <laughs> between the two of you. So um, tell me uh, when the next release comes, uh, where people will be able to find it and things like that. Yeah. So the game is uh, out on Steam early access. Uh, you can just do a search for Ultimate Disc Golf. It will also be available for free through our itch.io page. Um, see, so those are the main two places that we're publishing right now. Uh, I can give you a little tidbit about something we got coming around the corner, though. We are going to try to set up the Ultimate Disc Golf Game website to also take orders uh, for the early access uh, Steam keys. Nice. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be putting that link out once that's ready. But mainly, uh, you know, supporting us through Steam, is a really great way to help us continue uh, moving the game forwards. Very cool. So uh, is there anywhere else that people can follow you or news or anything you want to get out there? Yeah. You know, we would definitely appreciate anybody to stop by our YouTube, Facebook page. Uh, really, you can just do a search for tree industries. We're pretty easy to find now. We've had our stuff up for a little while. So uh, we do a lot of behind the scenes and dev streams on the YouTube for open Disc golf and, other general unrelenting stuff. So anytime I got a new proof of concept that I'm working on, a lot of times uh, I'll throw up a video, kind of what we're doing, 
And uh, sometimes that will not necessarily be a whole game. It'll just be some kind of like um, a lot of times we're working with like AI integration uh, with like smart assistant technology. So if you're into that kind of thing, definitely check out our YouTube and uh, we appreciate anybody that can follow and subscribe. Very cool. Well, uh, I am looking forward to checking out more Ultimate Disc Golf, and uh, I strongly recommend people to uh, reach out, see what you're doing, and uh, get on get on board with this one early. Because I, I tell you, I don't I don't say this all the time, but this seems like a recipe for a really fun sports game that uh, hopefully will bring more people in on the sport. So I'm I'm looking forward to that, and I really like the work you're doing. Yeah, I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having us again. It was uh, another great chat. Yeah. If you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, we would love to have you subscribe anywhere. Hit that follow button on Spotify. We have show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. You can subscribe to our new newsletter if you would like to get game industry news, game development resources, you name it. Once a week, check out CodeWritePlay.com and click on that newsletter tab. You just put in your email and we will take care of the rest. We'll not bug you very often. Reach out on social media. You can find at Game Dev Pod, which is the podcast, Code Right Play, and me, Todd Mitchell, at Mecha Toddzilla with one D and two L's. Love hearing from you, your feedback, your questions, your topics. Love it all. Find our uh, Discord server at CodeWritePlay.com. Uh, hang out with us during the week. We're your virtual coworkers all week long. That's it for this time. We'll be back with more great stuff in just a few days. So for Game Dev Breakdown and for Code Write Play, Todd Mitchell here saying, take care, everybody. Talk to you real soon. Congratulations on your Game Dev Breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me.